Sound Space, brought to you by Spectrum Life, bringing you real life, real conversation, and real advice from the best in class experts across all areas of physical and mental well being. Join our host weekly and learn how to improve and reflect on your well being. Welcome to Family Life Podcast hosted by me, Anita Fletcher, and brought to you by Soundspace. Today's topic is our mental health, and joining me from Sea Change is mental health and human rights advocate, Barbara Brennan. During this episode, we'll chat about personal responsibility and what we can do to help ourselves, how we can all be active listeners, and how we shouldn't assume that we have to fix somebody or that we need to have all of the answers, because we don't. So for this and more, Stay tuned to Family Life Podcasts, brought to you by Soundspace. Hi, everybody. You're all very welcome to today's Family Life uh, Podcast. I am joined today by Barbara Brennan. And Barbara Brennan is head of Sea Change. And uh, we're going to talk today about mental health, what we can do for ourselves and for our family. So, Barbara, I'm absolutely honoured to have you on today. So much for having me. It's great to have a chat. No, it's really, really good. So, Barbara, can you t- start by telling us a little bit about Sea Change? What is it? Where does it come from and where is it going? Absolutely. So Sea Change is a national stigma reduction partnership and it's a project of Shine. So Shine is an organisation that supports people affected by mental ill health. And when we say affected by mental ill health, it could be a person who is struggling themselves and they need some support. So in that instance, we would have um, the like of recovery based um, workshops and one on one kind of service to try and find out what does recovery look like for you. There's uh, peer groups as well. So you get to talk to other people who've had similar experiences, but there's also parenting care or support groups as well. So that's that peer to peer piece around how do I have a conversation with somebody who knows what I'm going through, especially if I'm looking after my child or, you know, it's not it's not my mental health that I'm struggling with, but I'm supporting somebody in that space. So Shine has been running for over 40 years and about 12 or 13 years ago, they started looking at the barriers to people getting access to their programs and their okay. support. And one of the things they saw was that stigma was a massive barrier and a big problem for people who experience mental health difficulties. So essentially, Sea Change was born from that. And Sea Change really is a grassroots movement to try and get people to have different conversations about mental health. What it isn't is a diagnostic tool. It isn't about finding out what's wrong with you. It isn't yeah. about fix anyone. It's about saying, so what's this mental health thing? You know, how do we understand it and how can we have different conversations? So like that, we have a programme called the Ambassador Programme. And ambassadors are people with lived experience who share their stories to try and show that we all have mental health and that it's different for everybody. And it's also about showing if you've had a difficult experience with your mental health or if you've been diagnosed with a mental illness, things can get better. People do recover and there is light at the end of the tunnel. So it's about understanding what we can do and that piece that you asked at the beginning, what we can do for ourselves. It's not just about the care that we can get and the support that we can tap into, but it's about what I can do to help myself or if I am the parent or carer, how I can look after myself so that I can give better support to the person I'm caring for. So there's okay. lots of different things in that. Um, but essentially, that's um, that's the um, the heart behind Sea Change, I suppose, is sharing different conversations to change attitudes around mental health. 
so yeah, one thing that you said there was um, stigma. So stigma is a huge thing and it can be really hard to shake the stigma for long enough to go and seek help or for long enough to realize that actually there's, it's okay you know, to be not to not be feeling great or to be to to seek support. It's actually all right to do so. So it's great that um, Sea Change are there and Shine are there for that. Absolutely. And I think the thing is, for me, even when we say the word stigma, it's an out there kind of thing. It's societal. Yeah. Like, what does that mean? And how does that feel? And really, that's what what we do at Sea Change. It's to help people understand but what stigma is, is it's how we treat somebody. It's negative labeling. It's discrimination. It's the prejudice that we have. And so the prejudice means I have this preconceived idea. So if I found out that you had just been diagnosed with a mental illness, maybe I'll treat you differently because of that. And that's the bit that we need to get to, to say, well, why do we have those thoughts? And even if we do have those thoughts, what is the behavior that we should do to try and eradicate that and change that? Because we all have mental health. And we all have the capacity to possibly become unwell, depending yeah. on what's going on with our lives. So it's really important that we change those conversations for exactly that, what you said. If somebody needs to go and get help, it's very normal to access help and support. Yeah. But for some reason, there is still this fear around mental health support. Yeah. And, about and diagnosis. You know, there's all this big thing about diagnosis. What is wrong? Like you yeah. said, you know, what is wrong? You know, what, how can we fix you or how can I be fixed? You know, yeah. and the lovely thing about Shine that you've just mentioned there is that the ambassadors are, are all experienced in this. Absolutely. And I think so there's two things there. The first thing about about, you know, being fixed or diagnosis is for anybody who's listening, your diagnosis is not the whole sum of you. So even if you do get a mental health diagnosis and you you find out that you have mental illness that's only part of your life and it's yeah. only part of your experience you are still all the other things you know so for me I have bipolar disorder I'm a suicide survivor I'm also a colleague I'm a friend I'm an auntie I'm an artist there's lots of things I'm still all of them and my mental illness is an experience that I've had and it's something I've lived through so I think yeah. that's something that we need to be really mindful of, remembering that sometimes when we get this news, it becomes everything. And it's that label and this idea of the language that we use. We also tend to say, I am, I am depressed. I am yeah. schizophrenic. I am anxious. I am okay. depressed. Whereas if I if I was diagnosed with a physical illness, let's say somebody diagnosed me with cancer, I wouldn't yeah. turn around and say I am cancer. I am heart attack. I am flu. Okay. You know, we don't say that. And it's that it's yeah. that idea that I am the illness. And that goes with that stereotyping and that prejudice that we have this idea that mental illness is the person and that the person is different because of this illness, because okay. they are it. But it, that's not true. We're still the same people. We're still capable. We still have all of these other aspects of our lives, regardless of this thing that's happening. And we also need to know that people can and do get better because that's one of the biggest misconceptions that once you get diagnosed with a mental illness, that's it. You're not going to work yeah. again. You're going to be on medication. You're not going to be capable of anything. That's so not true. And when we start looking at the figures behind it and start seeing that a lot more people are diagnosed with different mental illnesses than we understand, that's when we start realizing, actually, many of the people I work with or family members have a condition and they are doing fine in their lives. Yeah. They're still yeah. living the normal kind of things and yeah. that's what we need to start understanding that it's something yeah. we can live with 
Okay. And that's where we, that's where we need to get rid of the fears and the stigmas that lie around it. hundred percent. Yeah. Fabulous. That's a really good way of putting it there, Barbara, by saying, because you're so right. Like people say, oh yeah, no, I'm bipolar. I, or she is bipolar, you know, yeah. or yeah, she, she is, you know, she's depressed yeah. or he is depressed. That's so true. You know, you but never we do just... with all our emotions. We say, yeah. I am happy rather than I feel yeah. So it's not just about the illness part. It's, it's yeah. that for some reason we identify as the emotion. But the yeah. thing is, if you can imagine any time you've ever been happy, that doesn't last. If you've yes. ever been sad, it doesn't last. Yeah. So it's about yeah. understanding that our mental health is tied into our behaviours and our feelings and our emotions yeah. and that it is it does fluctuate the same way. So when we understand it like that, it makes it a little bit more accessible. So for people who haven't experienced a mental illness, to understand if you've ever been sad or worried or fearful about something or feeling anxious, those are the kind of feelings that people experience when they're going through mental illness. And we can all understand that bit of it. We can all yeah. empathize with that. We all know what it's like to feel uncomfortable or fearful. So coming from that place, it's absolutely OK to say, I don't know what that's like. Tell me about what that's like for you, because yeah. now what we're doing is we're taking the onus of us to have all the answers. We don't have to fix. We don't have to know all of the answers. We don't have to even know what the diagnosis is. It's about what's that like for you or even validating and saying that must be really difficult. I can't imagine what that's like. Yeah, because now we're allowing that person's experience to be valid because yeah. quite, quite often in the fearful moment, we dismiss it or we try and make light of it because we yeah. don't know what to say. Yes. And that can really damage. Or the other thing we do is we jump in with the oh, wait until I tell you I had this this or that experience. And that shuts down the conversation. So it's yeah. about validation for the person yeah. who is struggling. Yeah. And it's funny because we, we we talk about that. I'm a, um, a parenting coach and um, a, you know, creative mindfulness practitioner. And we talk all the time about keeping the conversation open with your children, about allowing them to come and talk, about not interrupting them, allowing them to feel heard. And then we come across somebody with a mental illness and we go, oh, yeah, God, I had that once. And, oh, you know, I was the same. And I got through it. You'll be grand. Or, you know, pick yourself up. You know, come on, you need to, to get yourself together now and move forward. You know, is that still happening to a lot of people? Is that the, is that where we still are with all of this, Barbara? Well, yes and no. So I would say there is a certain amount of it still happening. So that, that piece of that, that fear um, of saying the wrong thing or upsetting yes. somebody or giving the wrong advice, that is still very, very strong. And that um, the thing of also some of those comments, like you said, you know, pull yourself together, pick yourself up, yeah. you know, sure you'll be grand. I think people say those without really thinking it through, without really imagining the impact or how belittled somebody feels if they're experiencing this awful thing, yeah. regardless how big or small it looks to somebody else, it's Absolutely. big enough for that person to be struggling with it. Yeah. So that does happen. But on the other side, what we are seeing is that more people are having conversations about mental health. More people are starting to understand, well, maybe I shouldn't say that, or maybe, maybe I need to find out more. Um, yeah. So we are starting to see a big shift. We're also starting to see a shift in people understanding that mental health is a continuum that we are on this journey all of the time that okay. it isn't mental health means mental illness yes. that's what happens in mental health people jump to mental illness and then they jump to medication hospitalization incapacitated that end of things yeah. and actually yeah. what we're talking about is your well-being 
and if mm-hmm. you're not feeling well and and this is the thing when we talk about disease it's dis-ease you yeah. know it's about how can we how can we find that space to be kind and compassionate about things we don't know and be there for the person even though we feel uncomfortable because quite often when somebody is struggling with their mental health they know what to do with it they know how to sit with it and actually yeah. the discomfort in the conversation is with us because we don't know how to listen. We don't know how to sit in discomfort. We're yeah. afraid we're going to say the wrong thing and we're waiting for the gap. So we're waiting for either them to stop talking or we're waiting for them to start talking. So we start jumping in and filling yes. the space. So it's yeah. about how do I find the space that I can listen because we have two ears and one mouth because we yes. should listen twice as much as we speak. And just changing our conversation a little bit can make a massive difference difference yeah and allow when you ask the question because you're so right we ask the question and then we nearly interrupt the answer so ask the question and then sit back and listen and allow them to speak allow them to feel heard and that can be you know that can be a great lift for somebody um who is suffering um with you know any sort of mental mental illness and like you said it is an ongoing thing this is our well-being you know, from the minute we're born to the minute we, we, you know, we leave this world, we have our, we have to look after our mental well-being. And if their illness comes, like you said, if somebody gets cancer, it's looked after. We all treat them with care. We all make sure that they're heard and listened to and, and get the care that they need. And we need to do the same then on the other side when it's a mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. hundred percent. And I think that's, that's the thing that we need to be finding out. Well, what is it I need to know about this? Because the thing is that if, if fear is keeping us from having conversations, it's about finding out, well, okay, what do I need to know to have a conversation? So like that, it's about, well, do you know how to boil a kettle? Yes. yes. Do you know how to sit and listen? Yes. Do you know how to say to somebody, that must be hard for you? Do you know what it's like when somebody is kind to you and the kindness is shown to you and what that support looks like? Yes, we do. So that's a really easy start. Then it's about finding out, you know, okay, well, if I actually want to know a bit more about particular illnesses or if I need to know about, let's say, stigma and how to how to really change that conversation, where do I go to get information on those things? Or what support can I get? So we were talking earlier about different supports that are available. So, you know, obviously you've got the like of um, our parent organization, Shine. So that's shine.ie. Um, there's an organization called Doing the Best We Can, and they really are about parental support and information. Um, you've also got, obviously, for somebody who is struggling in the moment, you've got Samaritans. You've got um, the text number 50808, which is a HSE line. You've got the um, Pieta House. You've got AWARE. And there's lots of different things that are available. And the one thing I would say is for people listening, not to be waiting to get into a service, because I think for parents and for somebody who's struggling themselves, when they're waiting to be seen or they're waiting to get on a list or they're waiting, they've been seen, but they're waiting to be fixed. So much is so much is taken away from that person. And it's about re-empowering the parent and the and the the person experiencing the mental health difficulty, because actually there's lots we can do. And it's about the practical stuff. So what helps you in this moment? So if we're talking about, let's say if, if I was sitting with you and I realized you were having a panic attack, instead of me trying to fix it for you, I would be asking, what do you need right now? You know, what would help you? Has this happened to you before? You know, is there anything I can do to help? So yeah. it's not about me trying to come up with the answers and saying you should do this. It's about yeah. reimpacting that person. And we can take that and put it into any situation and say to that person, what do you need right now to feel safe or to feel better? Just right now, 
and we can deal with the other bits together. Or when we're looking at that supporting plate, maybe it's about saying, well, you know, I don't know enough about this. Maybe let's look and find out the information together. Or maybe right. I'll go and find some information and I'll come back. I'll check in with you again six o'clock tonight or tomorrow afternoon. So yeah. firstly, we're saying I don't know. Mm-hmm. Secondly, we're saying it's OK that I don't know and let's go and find out. And thirdly, we're given a time frame. So we're saying yes. we'll do it within this time. And it's absolutely OK to go back at six o'clock or tomorrow and say, I couldn't really find anything, but I'm still looking. I'll come back to you. So then the person feels heard and like somebody is supporting them. So it's not about having all the answers. It's not about trying to do all of it in one go. And it is about looking at what can we do and where can we create that change? And I think looking at, you know, what we do at Sea Change, it is about the small things like at the moment we have a green ribbon campaign and the green ribbon is a national symbol for mental health awareness and so we deliver uh, 500,000 ribbons around the country to get people to wear them to say I'm okay to have a conversation about mental health and sometimes that tiny shift whether it's that you put it on the bottom of your email you wear it on your jacket it just shows people you know what maybe I don't know huge about, about a huge amount about this mental health thing but I'm okay to start a conversation and let you tell me about it. So those yeah, are the kind I'm willing of, kind to of give small it a try. Things. That's it. And it really is about being brave and sometimes talking to somebody and saying, well, you know, maybe I'm afraid of saying the wrong thing to you. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. will you will you guide me if I say, if I use a word that you're not comfortable with, or if I say something and you're really unsure or unhappy, you need to tell me and tell me what your preference is. Yes. So that if there's a different word you'd prefer I use or a different kind of conversation, I'd love for you to help me because yeah. I want to have I want to have a more informed conversation and it would be great for you to give me your knowledge. So yeah. again, you're re-empowering that other person. Yeah, fabulous. That's such good advice, Barbara. And you know, I'm just as you're talking there, um, I'm kind of got my head into um when all of this is going on with adults. Yeah. Me being a parenting coach, we come across this all of the time with my own children and with other people's children. Where do we go when it's your child? You know, what do we do? Because I'm sure, as I'm sure you can imagine, when your child is suffering with anything, we want to jump in feet first and fix it. You know, we don't want to prolong anything. We want to just get in there, get it fixed and get it done right now. Absolutely. No, it's not. Well, there's a couple of things. So first of all, it's really important that you're doing self-care for yourself because you can't you can't give from an empty bucket yeah. you know so it's about what's the self-care that you're doing and also creating um, boundaries and non-negotiables so it's about you know if I need to go for a walk first thing in the morning so that my head is on straight so that I can deal with these things yeah that's what I need to do regardless of what happens or maybe it's that you know meal times is the non-negotiable I need to make sure that I eat three times a day because quite often as a parent we put everybody else first so it's about how do I look after my health and then even tapping into well maybe do I need to be chatting to other parents you know maybe I'm frustrated because I'm I'm angry that something is going on or, or I've had a row with my child or I'm frustrated because I don't know how to fix so that's about tapping in. So again, the like of Shine, they have um, family and care support groups and doing the best we can also do as well. So it's about looking at what is there. From a point of view of the support that we offer to uh, children, you know, regardless of what, what age they are, because they're always going to be your child. Like I'm looking at my parents, I, I'm turning 40 this yes. week. My yes. daddy is still my daddy. You know. Thank yes. you. So, you know, it's that, it's that kind of thing that 
regardless of what age somebody is, we need to be coming at it from a point of view of we don't know what we don't know. We can't fix everything. By trying to fix it, we're also taking the experiential part away from them. So they need to find what works for them. So it's about what do you need from me in this moment? Is there something I can do that would help you? What do you think would help? You know, so it's, again, asking them their opinion, letting them voice it and and reinsuring them that if, you know, because quite often we'll say, well, what do you need right now? I don't know. Yeah. You know, like, because they don't. Typical teenager child it is. But even if you consider a time when you've ever been sick or when you've ever yeah. been, you know, really stressed about something and somebody asks you in that moment, what do you need? If you're feeling overwhelmed, the matter of I don't know what I need. Right. Yes. But given that space and say, you know what, don't answer me right now, but maybe go away and think about it and write down five things that if you did those five things or if somebody helped you do those five things that they might help. So it might be going and listening to your favorite song. It might be going out and getting fresh air. It might be journaling. It might be writing stuff down and then scrunching it up because you're so angry with it. Yeah. You know, like there's lots of little things that we can do. And that goes back to that piece about not waiting, because quite often we wait to have the conversation. We wait to ask what's needed. And the person is waiting for the fix all the time. They're waiting to be fixed. So it's about how do I empower you? Because yeah. you are so capable in so many other ways and we don't want you to forget who you are aside yeah. from what's going on right now. Yeah. So there's, you know, there's those, there's those pieces which I think are, are really important. So it's about how do I look after me? Yeah. And then how do I remember to take a step back to know that even though I'm responsible for the life of my child, I'm not responsible for living their life for them. It's yeah. okay for me to say, I don't know how to do this. I don't want you to yeah. be but I'm going to walk beside you while you work it out yeah yeah that's such good advice because I think that that is the fear of uh, of not doing the right thing and it, it you know, can be really overwhelming for a, for a parent and um, the other thing about the waiting because I you know you speak to so many people saying oh the waiting list for CAMS is so long and I don't know what to do and you've just given so many options there you know just roll with it. Keep talking about it. Keep the conversation going and allow them to talk, allow them to come up with their own solutions and then support them That's with it. it. Barbara, so was there a time um, when your parents felt like you wouldn't get better or that they couldn't do anything for you? Can you know, were you did, did you, you said that you too are um, have a mental have a mental illness and are a suicide survivor? So was this did happen in, as, as, as a child or as an adult or, you know, do you mind talking about that? Yeah, sure. So um, so I suppose the first uh, time that we realized that I was in trouble um, was actually my first suicide attempt. Um, so I just turned 14 and I had an attempt on my life. And it was only when we got to that that we started looking back and seeing that actually something had not been right for a while. And we all thought it was kind of normal uh, teenager stuff changing yeah. from primary school into first year and yeah. lots of different things, you know. Um, and it was only as it went on um, and became and became quite um, escalated, I suppose, 
that we started understanding there was an issue. So at the age of 14, I was diagnosed with mental illness. Um, I would have been um, hospitalized and I would have been on medication. And that then continued essentially for the next 15 years. So I wow. had a very, what we call severe and enduring or, or um, severe and complex mental health issues. So okay. I've experienced eating disorders. I've experienced um, OCD. I've experienced um, depression, anxiety, a lot of different things and a lot of different labels. And it's about how we manage at those times. And I think to your question about, you know, my parents and how they managed, I know at the beginning they were very, very lost. They didn't understand what was going on, bearing in mind that we're going back 25 yeah. years. You know, so the language that we had was very, very different. Um, and yeah. the idea of recovery wasn't there. So this idea that when you have a mental illness, that's it. You yes. are that and your life is written off. I was told I was never going to work. And now yeah. here I am and I run stigma reduction program and my life is amazing and yeah. I found well-being and you know for the for the illness that I was diagnosed with I should have been on medication for the rest of my life and I yeah. should have x y and z and I found recovery with lots of different things instead of medication to be okay. very clear medication is very helpful if you have the right dose for for the right thing at the right yeah. time so yeah. it isn't about saying I'm never going to take it again it isn't about saying that medication is good or bad. It's about yeah. working out what is helpful for me at this moment. Right. So, you know, for me, it's about the holistic. So how am I eating? How am I sleeping? Do I drink enough yeah. water? Am I including my hobbies? Do I see my friends? Yeah. You know, am I managing my stress? So there's all of those things have yeah. to happen along with possibly medication, depending on how we are. And that's regardless of what kind of illness you have. Yes. So that you know before we got to that understanding I had years and years and years of doing the showing up for the doctor yeah. taking the medication and waiting for somebody to do something to me waiting to for somebody you. to fix me yeah. and as long as I did that I got sicker and sicker and sicker okay. you know and that and that really I suppose came to the point where I had a very um, strong um, experience or very um, extreme experience and I ended up on life support after an attempt on my life and um, oh, so wow. you know like that that is something that I am very lucky that I survived that you know to be on a machine for more than a week I should not wow. be here and yet we have these kind of things happen all of the time because people are not getting the support because they're too fearful to ask for help because yes. parents feel fearful of other people finding out or shame yeah. Yeah. you know it, it, it's all of that and I think for my parents back in the day they didn't know how to have the conversations. They didn't know how to support me. They didn't know yeah. how to go and get help for themselves because they didn't want to share my story with strangers, yes. you know, from a confidentiality point of view. So there was all of these different layers. And there was the thing of, you know, it's selfish to look after myself first. Yeah. So there's yeah. so many different things and some really small things that were so simple that helped me with my parents, particularly at a time when I would have been struggling very much and really um non um communicative communicative even um you know we i literally wouldn't talk to them for weeks um we started doing a thing where we would write letters to each other you know that and we had like a secret place where my mum and i used to put she would put a letter and it would she'd pull out the book so i'd know it was there okay. and so it was our way of having a private conversation but also it meant that i wasn't under pressure to answer there and then in the moment yeah didn't feel judgment or prying and all of these things that we want yes. to prevent 
Yeah. Yes, but it, it gave her a chance to be heard to me. It gave her a chance to really consider what she was going to say. And it and meant her support. Uh, yes. But but even sometimes it might be it might be that, you know, I had done or said something and she might say to me, well, actually, I know that you're not well, but it really hurt me that you said X, Y yes. and Z. And I'm and yes. I'm sorry that you're hurting and I'm sorry that you're struggling, but we need to find a different way to speak to each other. So right. sometimes it wasn't always about the nice thing. Sometimes it was about yeah. the difficult thing. Yeah. Too. But yeah. it gave me a chance to feel like I'm not being bombarded. I'm not being coerced here I'm not being you know told what to do so there are ways to decide what is the best way for me to communicate and what is the best way for us to communicate you know so it is about relationship building and finding out well maybe what worked before doesn't work now or maybe we need need to move on or maybe we never had the right thing so let's explore what might work for you right now and it might be trying 10 different things before you find the right one so I think that's the bit that we really need to look at what kinds of things. So it's, it's, about, it's OK to not know what you don't know, but yes. to find out what kind of things might help. So even to, to sit down together or separately and write a list to say, well, I think I would like to do X, Y and Z and that this might help me in a moment. So in a moment when you are struggling, this is what I would like from you or this is what I need from you. Or, you know, if, if it's the child's perspective to say in a moment when I'm struggling, I need you to back off. I need you to, yeah. or I need you to hug me or I need you to just come and sit in the room and don't talk to me. Yeah. You know, yeah. but to, to vocalize those things can be very, very difficult, mm-hmm. but sometimes writing it down. And it also means that it gives the person time to think about what they really need. Soundspace will return after this brief message. Join me, Lauren Gilfoyle, as I chat to people from all walks of life about how they take on the challenge to make, manage and prioritise habits that benefit their well-being despite the busyness of the world around them. As a chartered physiotherapist and student of sports psychology, I'm interested not only in our exercise preferences, but our relationship with physical activity and exercise and how that might change as our circumstances do. So join us as we explore how others have adapted and navigated this so that you might too reflect on how to create a lifestyle that better serves you. Yeah, yeah, rather than being put on the spot. Because our children That's always it. feel like they're put on the spot, especially our teenagers. You know, they're they like, do. you know, you're prying, you're judging me, you're judging my friends, you're judging yeah. my opinions. And so that is such a good idea to put pen to paper and allow them that space, allow them that time to read it and process it before they come back to you. So we don't have that kind of uh, lower heads moment. That's it. That's it. So here you are now, right? Through the through the other side, would you say, Barbara? 100%, yeah. Yeah. And you're, like you said, head of um, sea change and lots of other things that you've got going on in your life. I know the turning point was that when you were, um, you, you know, you had that so, such a close to death experience with your, yeah. um, with your attempt on your own life. When you came out of that, what what turned you around for you know what was it or can you put your finger on anything that made you realize okay this is not what I want this is not the life for me I need to do this for me well I think there was a couple of things so first of all you know to to let people know my experience is not everybody's experience you know so can that can be quite challenging 
Um, and from from my perspective, I had been on a lot of very heavy medication for a very long time. Okay. So so, you know, to the point that there was times where I couldn't communicate, I couldn't string a sentence together. You know, I, I couldn't manage that because I was too medicated. And, and to be fair, I was sick enough that it warranted that. So, so two things happened. Firstly, while I was in a coma, I basically came off that medication. It's not a healthy way to do it. It's not a safe way to do it. Yeah. But obviously they, they couldn't administer the medication during that period. Yeah. And so when I woke up, I had a clarity that I hadn't had in over a decade because I was almost medication free. So at that point, I went back to my doctor and I said, look, you know, to be on almost 50 tablets a day is absolutely phenomenal for any human body. Yeah. I'm having so many different side effects that it's making me have to take extra tablets for all those things. Yeah. And it's yeah. a knock on effect. And yeah. I feel awful. And if I feel like I am going to try and take my life every single day, yeah. if that's the best that's I guess, surely there has to be a different way. So really not ideal. And to say to anybody who's listening, if you are on medication, please don't skip it. Please don't pretend that you're taking it. Please don't decide that you're coming off it on your own. If you want to do that, go and talk to your medical team because the, the dangers of not taking your medication and then going in and the doctor thinks you've been taking it and will make a change based on how you are. Yeah. Because they think you've been taking it. Yeah. And then all of a sudden now you're taking a higher dose. It can be really damaging, you know, yeah. and also just stopping medication can create lots of side effects. So, you know, if you need to make a change, go and talk to your medical team. They're there to help you. And that is one of the massive things that changed I realized that my doctor was there to help me but I had to help him help me you know yeah. and I never got that before that I was a big part of the problem because I wasn't helping him and I was lying Such because I was afraid that is brilliant like I just want to say that again right so you said you knew your doctor was there to help you but you didn't know that you had to help him to help you exactly exactly like that's huge isn't yeah. it like that's yeah. really that must have been profound when you realize okay because we all say no you, she needs to do this for herself or he needs to do this for himself but actually you need to help the doctor to help you yes and that's and it's like that with family members with friends yeah. so it, it that's what changed for me that I looked at that yeah. face and I said you know what if the worst or the best case scenario is that I'm going to be on this medication and I'm going to keep trying to kill myself surely there is another way. So I said, you know what, I will try all of the other things. And that's when I went down the route of sleep therapy, of a diet and exercise. I went on exclusion diets to see if there was any kind of foods that affected my mood in a good way or a bad way. I started looking at really good supplements, for example, like the B vitamins are incredible for your body. They're also really good for your mood. So yeah. it was about looking at what is going to support my physical and mental health all the time and what preventative things can I do so then I started building things in and I started doing a lot of talk therapy I did cognitive behavioral therapy which was looking at the practical side of things yes. you know if x happens then I will do y to counteract yes. it yeah so again it's that that empowerment piece what can yeah. I do to help myself so it really was about those building blocks but I also had to do the difficult stuff and say okay what's the bad stuff that I need to do I need to stop drinking I need to stop smoking I need to stop hanging around with people that are negative I need to stop hanging around with people that are a bad influence I need yeah. to stop staying up late and watching you know watching whatever series yeah. until two o'clock in the morning I need yeah. to stop eating junk food yeah. you know like those things are hard and it is about what is going to help me do those things because I will feel better 
And that's the thing that if we can even say, okay, I can't manage the mental health stuff at the moment. I'm just going to focus on making my body feel a little bit better right now, because that's the thing. The more that our bodies feel better, the more our heads will feel better and vice versa. Yeah. The easier we'll find it to look after either or. That's it. Amazing. So like I said, you're out the other side, you're running this fantastic um, project what do you think is there anything that we should be doing in workplaces is there anything that we should be asking for in the workplace or like i know here in um, in, spectrum, in spectrum health well in spectrum life we've got all of these um fantastic counselors counseling sessions and parenting sessions and all of that that people can make the most of from their um, in their employment and um, not everybody has that Okay, what do you think, where, what can employers be doing to support people in their company who have a mental health illness? Well, I think there's there's two things. Um, So first of all, for people to go and find out what is there, because like you're saying, there is loads in your organization. For a lot of people, they don't actually know what's there. Mm -hmm. So the first stop is to find out. So to go to, you know, if there's a well-being coordinator or your HR um, to find out, do you have an EAP program? That's Employee Assistance Program. And they deal with so many different things, not just mental health. If you have financial health, if you're bereaved. All of that stuff is there and those supports are there. So the first thing is to find out what is actually there as an employee. What what is there that I could tap into? Mm -hmm. And then from an employer's point of view, it's about not just jumping in and providing all of these, you know, supports and running all these workshops and everything. Because one of the things that we've seen from research that we've done is that even when organizations put on these workshops, people fear being judged to attend them. Because they think if I show up to this mental health thing, people are going to think I'm unwell. They're going to think Absolutely. I've got a mental health Absolutely. issue. Very common. Yeah. So, so it's about starting well before that and saying, okay, how do we change the tone in the culture? How do we make it okay to have mental health conversations? Yeah. How do we change what people perceive when we put these on? And also, how do we stand up when, when we know something is happening? How do we actually catch that and say, you know what? We don't do that here. You know, yeah. I understand why you're doing that or saying that, but actually this is how we we do that. And, you know, these are the conversations we would rather to have. Yeah. So the kind of things that organizations can do, um, for example, C-Change has a, a workplace program and that looks at mental health in the workplace, understanding the topic, understanding the topic of stigma and then looking at what that really feels like. If, if it was me and you experiencing that stigma, what does that feel like? Because if I know what it feels like, maybe I'll understand when somebody comes to me yeah. and when somebody wants to have that conversation. Um, we would also recommend something like Mental Health First Aid, and that's run by Mental Health First Aid Ireland. That's recognising signs and symptoms and how to support somebody until appropriate help arrives. So that's something that anybody can do, not just an organization, yeah, but from an organization's point of view. If you have trained mental health first aiders that are signposted to other colleagues, it means that people feel safe to have that closed conversation. Yeah. But it starts becoming more open to say, well, actually, you know what? I had a chat with, you know, Mary because she was a mental health first aider. And actually, she told me that I could go and get support from HR. And actually, I'm getting the support and it's really helpful. So I think it's about looking at 
what is in place there now already from an organization perspective and then looking at the gaps what could we put in place so the like of a mental health policy if you don't have one you need to get one if you do have one does everybody know about it do they know where to access it do they know what it looks like in practical form like if i'm going to go on sick leave because i've broken my leg i probably know who i need to go to and what forms i need to fill in but is that different for mental health yeah. So it's those kind of conversations to say, if we have things in place in our, our organization, how do we let people know in a simple and easy, accessible way, this is yeah. what we can do to support you. And then the other side of it is to ask, maybe put a survey out and say, you know, what are we doing? What more can we do? What's missing? Very because good. people will be honest and people will tell you. Yeah, really good. Such a good point, because they, like I said, and, and you said, in a lot of employers, especially in the corporate groups, there all of these things are there. They yeah. are there, but you need to access them. Okay, yeah. so you need to find out if they're there, and then then get over what we spoke about right at the beginning: the stigma of going to these things. Right, so don't be afraid to to you know pick up the phone and and make the call or or send the email. And I suppose as well to remember that all of these things are confidential. Yeah. So when you go, when you do you use your EAP, nobody else knows. You know, right. nobody else is going to hear the conversation. It's okay. It's a safe place to talk. Yeah, 100%. And I think that's the bit that we really need to understand that when a workplace puts these things in place, they're not trying to catch out. Yeah. You know, they're not trying to put something there to, to you know, show you up or to treat you differently. Yeah. It's about saying, actually, we're doing this because we realize it's important. We realize that it's necessary and we realize that it's normal. It yeah. is normal to struggle with the day to day things in life. And then once a curveball comes and somebody becomes unwell or something happens out of the ordinary, yeah. that is normal to have a negative response to that. And yeah. I think that's the thing that we really need to consider when we think about mental health. We associate it with lots of negative emotions. Emotions are not good or bad. You know, they just are. And it's about what do I do with this emotion? And if it's an uncomfortable or a difficult one, what is it telling me? And what do I need to do with that to move it in a different direction? So it's not about labeling any emotion as wrong or trying to suppress emotions. It's about what is it trying to tell me and how can I use that? Yeah. Um, so like that's just um, I'm so happy we did this podcast like I saw you on the tv you absolutely blew me away I thought I need to speak to this girl because you you feel it you own it and you can express exactly how other people are are feeling and what we can do how can we get help ourselves and how we can help others Barbara it has been an absolute pleasure to have you on today i am really really happy um, that you agreed to be a guest on family life podcast but just before you go i would love you to let us know now for the last time where can we find you where can we find tell me about these green ribbons so that we can all have them on all of our emails and and spread the word on um how we can support people with mental illness Absolutely. So first of all, it's seechange.ie. That's S-E-E change.ie as our website. We are on um, Twitter. We are on Facebook and Instagram. And that's seechange Ireland or seechange IRL. From a green ribbon perspective, you can get them from Boots, Air, AIB and Irish Rail, the major uh, major stations around the country. If you want to order, um, a, say, a pack of 100 or you want a thousand or you want 10,000, you can email us directly and that's info at seachange.ie. We also have downloadable packs from our website so you can get a supporters guide, you can get bunting, you can get posters, all sorts of stuff 
and that's in the green ribbon section on our website. We also have a podcast called the Seed Found Sessions. So if you want to find out more about our ambassador stories, about our partners, about people talking about mental health, you can find that it's on our website and it's also on the like of Spotify and Anchor. So there's lots of different things that people can do to get engaged. Um, and from my perspective, then, if you want to follow me, I'm on LinkedIn and I would put lots of videos out and I'm on YouTube as well. Barbara Louise Brennan. OK, Barbara, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to meet you. You're an inspiration to all of us, you know, whether or not we have gone through or going through or are going to going to go through a mental illness, which is quite common and there shouldn't be a stigma around it. And you are definitely an inspiration. Thank you so much for joining us today on Family Life Podcast. Thanks for having me on. Thank you for listening to Family Life Podcast today. I hope you enjoyed this episode on our mental health with me, Anita Fletcher, and our special guest from Sea Change, Barbara Brennan. Today's top tips and take-homes are, we all have mental health, just the same as we have physical health, and we all also have personal responsibility. So it's up to us to constantly do the things that we know helps us to keep well. For other people, validating somebody else's experience for how they feel is important. But supporting yourself and prioritising your own well-being is massively important to be able to support someone else on their road to recovery. But remember, you and they can recover. For support, you can go to yourmentalhealth.ie, thesamaritans.org, aware.ie, shine.ie, pietahouse.ie, 50808 and doing the best we can. For more on Green Ribbon, go to see Sea Change. And of course, for more Family Life Matters, join me here on Family Life Podcasts, brought to you by Soundspace. This podcast was brought to you by Soundspace, the go-to place for all the latest podcasts on topics such as mental well-being, nourishment, parenting and health and fitness.